Hello, and welcome to Women Developing Brilliance. I'm your host, Casey Rossi. It's my great pleasure to present interesting stories of creative women sharing their message and lighting up the world with their presence and offerings. Get ready to be inspired. You can learn more about creating a business that you love by visiting kcrossi.com. Enjoy. Hello, and thanks for tuning in to this episode on Women Developing Brilliance. Today, we are going to be talking about our email list size. Now, this is an area that can cause dread and shame. I know because for a while, I was embarrassed about the size of my list. In fact, many people measure your success by this metric alone. And my friends, in my opinion, that is just plain short-sighted. Any successful business owner will tell you that there are so many other factors that play into the bottom line. And depending on the type of product or service you have and the rates that you charge, having a big email list may actually be a disadvantage. And we're going to explore that controversial sentence that I just said, so don't worry about it. Interestingly enough, I was spurred on to talk about this topic because I was rejected as a speaker for an online summit. And I find the juiciest topics are ones that are personal and usually have a sting to them. Do you agree? So this person reached out to me and said that they had landed on my website after really enjoying one of my blogs, that the topic that I had written on tied in perfectly to the theme of her online event, and she was wondering if I'd be one of the five expert speakers. And I don't know about you, but it's always so lovely to receive positive feedback, and I was excited to kick off the year collaborating with a group of like-minded female entrepreneurs. We set up a time to meet over Zoom and hash out the details. So on the call, we hit it off just fine. In fact, we even coincidentally had attended the same Women Rocking Business event in California this year. So definitely a small world. We confirmed everything up, and the final question before we said goodbye was, oh, by the way, um, what's your email list size? I'm a firm believer in honesty, so without hesitation, I told her. And immediately she said, oh, this won't work then. I was a bit shocked and immediately got that awful feeling of rejection. You know, like when you get that pit in your stomach? Yeah, like that. I was like, oh, okay. And she continued to say that a 1,000 subscribers was the minimum. And since it was a collaborative event, that everyone needed to be on the same playing field. Now, of course, my ego got a little inflamed at this point, And silently in my mind, I said, I wonder what that playing field is. And you'd think if one metric was qualifying, that it would be a part of her guest onboarding. But anyway, I digress. So email list size is fine, but wouldn't email open rates be more telling? Because honestly, if you have a list of a thousand subscribers and your open rate is 10% and someone with a list of 500, but has an open rate of 37%, well, that actually means that the person with the smaller list has 185 people engaging with their content versus someone with double the list and only 100 people opening. So it's kind of interesting when you really dig in. But I think even beyond the metrics, it has to do with your know, like, and trust factors and your level of influence. Because you could literally have 100 people on your email list, but if you have done the work 
and the foundation to really build those know, like, and trust factors and really show to your audience that you are one of them and you walk your talk, then your influential power is going to be far greater than someone with a list of 5,000 people that maybe or maybe aren't that engaged with their content are going to follow their lead. So there's a lot of different variables in there, and it, it really does go far beyond the metrics. Anyway, back to my story. Once I settled down a bit, I wondered what the learning lesson in it was, right? Because I'm a big believer that people cross paths for a reason. There's no real coincidences. And for those of you that follow my work, you know that I'm a big believer in abundance mindset and positive psychology. So it got me thinking, what are the benchmarks that define one's playing field? And honestly, you don't need to have a big email list to be successful. So here are two examples. One of them is me. I have a small list. And actually, I kind of like it that way. When I scroll through my list, I'm able to put names with faces and recollect happy memories after meeting some of those people in person or at events. Now, I'm not saying that I have a personal relationship with every person on my list, but I have a nice general feeling for it. This helps me deliver content that directly speaks to my target audience, which in turn brings about great results. Results like having a full client roster, being a six-figure coach, being able to travel for six to eight weeks out of the year, and living the laptop lifestyle. Now, I'm not saying this to brag. They're just facts to illustrate the point of becoming hyper-focused on one aspect of how we judge success. A second example, and even more stunning, is one of my clients. He actually made $300,000 in his first year of business without an email list, website, or business card. Pretty stunning results if you ask me. Now, I want to dive into this even deeper so you get the full picture when it comes to email lists. Why is it important, and some would say even crucial, that certain businesses have a larger list and it's not that crucial in others? And it all boils down to simple math. If you sell medium to high-ticket customized services, you need fewer in your tribe. If you create a consumable product like food or aromatherapy products, for example, you'll need a larger list because you're selling a small ticket item. Does that make sense? In my own personal experience, when I manufactured confections, it was crucial that I was communicating to a large audience because of the nature of our product, right? It was a consumable. At that time, I had over 10,000 wholesale customers and 3,000 retail customers on my list. However, say if your services fall into the coaching category where you mentor people for a six-month journey, whether that may be as an author coach, a relationship coach, a fitness coach, or a business coach, it actually might be overwhelming if you have a list size that big. Why? Because you are your company's bread and butter. You most likely are a team of one, and your personalized services rotate around you and your time, and we all know we have 24 hours in a day. Today's episode is brought to you by Thrive Business Thrive, a step-by-step business-building online course. Thrive Business Thrive takes you from a concept to paying clients in just 16 weeks. 
If you're tired of doing it alone and trying to piece together your business by watching one YouTube tutorial after another and following multiple experts, it's time to plug into a tried and true plan. Thrive Business Thrive focuses on results, increasing your impact, and moreover, establishing the foundation needed for a thriving business. To learn more about Thrive Business Thrive, your blueprint to create a flourishing business, visit caseyrossi.com slash thrive. That's caseyrossi.com slash thrive. So in those examples, a smaller list size is actually not even more desirable, but it's also more manageable and it also reduces overwhelm. So it's what some would say crucial in those type of industries. So I just want to do a side note here that I am a big believer of diversifying your offerings to prevent burnout so that no matter what industry, everything doesn't rotate around you. Now, other than having a consumable product or a low ticket item or service, there are other areas that you'd need a bigger list if you wanted to see traction and meet your income goals. So a couple of those would be if you're interested in offering a group coaching program or if you wanted to create a membership site. Why? Because again, it all boils down to simple math. Across the board, there's a simple formula that studies have shown plays out that the average conversion rate, which is people who you're actually marketing to, buy, right? When you're selling your offer, so the actual conversion rate to your warm list is about 3%. So it really varies between 1% and 5%, but on average, we'll say it's 3%. So this means in real life, if you have a list of 1,000 people and you launch, you're most likely going to get 30 of those people raising their hand for what you have. So that's only 30 people, right? So if we're looking at 3%, that's only 30 people. And that's also depending that you've done a really great job marketing and copywriting and advertising and showing up. But we're just going to say that you've done all those things you have for your foundation in place and that your conversion rate is 3%. Okay. So if you are launching a membership program at say $37, then $37 times those 30 people, right, which is that 3% conversion rate is $1,110 of income per month. Now that may sound like a good chunk of change depending on what size your business is right now. But you have to think about all of your efforts to get there and that you're only really launching around three to four times a year. And we do that to prevent list fatigue so that we're not always selling and that we're really in the vein of service and delivering value versus having our handout for enrollments or signups. So when you tally it all up, you can ask yourself, does that meet my income goals? Okay, now let's put it on the lens of having a list of, say, 250 people. If you sell that same membership program at $37 a month and 3% sign up, now you're talking about eight people, even leaning on the generous side of the math, and then the monthly income from that effort is only $296 a month. And that's not going to get you very far no matter what industry you're in. Does this make sense? So... It's not to discourage you in any way whatsoever. It's just to illustrate the difference between when you need a bigger email list and when you do not. 
Now, I will say that I strongly believe that every business owner needs an email list, period, end of story. Why? Because we don't own the social media apps. At any time, the rules can change, which depending on how dependent you are, it could have a dramatic effect on your business and bottom line. You don't own your fans or your followers or even your Facebook group members. What you do own is your email list, and it should be treated as an honor that the people that are on it respected you enough to trust you with their personal information. An email list is also algorithm proof. What do I mean by that? Only 3 to 5% of people even see your posts on social media. This stat changes, but that's the average right now. The social media gods control the interwebs of who sees your content and how often. And the times are really turning more into a pay-to-play game, meaning to see real traction on a lot of your efforts, it's going to require paid ads. Plus, studies show that every dollar spent in business email marketing brings back 38. And email has a higher conversion rate than SEO and social media tactics combined. That's pretty interesting information if you ask me. And if that wasn't enough, experts have found that 50% of the people on your list are interested in what you have to offer, but it's not just the right time to buy. This is totally cool because if you're consistently showing up and providing value, you'll be flexing those no like, and trust muscles needed to eventually convert them from a trusted follower to a paying and hopefully raving client. So to recap, you do not need a huge email list to be successful. However, depending on your product or service, say if it's a low ticket item, a consumable or a membership site, you very well need a larger audience to make the impact and income that you desire. There's no magic number that you're aiming for, and it's very specific to you, your business, your income goals, and your diversification level. In either case, there's always current subscribers whose needs shift or just natural shrinkage, really, for a variety of reasons or even time-sensitive services, like say you're a baby photographer or a pregnancy coach or doula. Well, in those situations, you'll always be needing to be sourcing new ideal clients. So it's a good idea to always be list building and an even better idea to look at this metric as an indicator of your marketing, but certainly not the only benchmark of success. Okay, thank you so much for listening. I'd love to hear your thoughts on the subject feel free to head over to my Women Developing Brilliance Facebook group to continue the conversation. To your success and how you define it, until next week, breathe joy. I hope you enjoyed today's episode on Women Developing Brilliance. If so, head on over to Apple iTunes and subscribe to this podcast. And I'd be grateful if you could leave a review or rating so more people can benefit from these inspirational stories about the solopreneur journey. Thank you.